know the lyrics to the extended version of every 90s TV theme song? And you recite the entire script to Wayne's World on command, verbatim? Might you wax nostalgic about injuries sustained during backyard wrestling matches? Have you pontificated at length over what beer goes best with Mario Kart? Do you philosophically dwell for inappropriate lengths of time on phenomena like snowsuits, minor five chords, Rocky Four, baseball stats, wall-mounted pencil sharpeners, cinnamon toast crunch, Murray Wilson, seasons two through eight of The Simpsons, Bond villains, then friends, lovers, palindromes, have we got the show for you. It's Calling BS with Brandon and Scott, your esoteric clerics for the fleet of mouth and mind. Brutally honest, meticulously obsessive, and painstakingly pragmatic. Check us out and BS, I love you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week we are discussing Katie Heron from the film Mean Girls. And to help us with our discussion, we are joined by Lena English. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. And we're also joined by Taylor Iverson. Hey, what's up? What's up? <laughs> Keeping it cool. Listeners, you may be shocked to know that Todd and I do not want to talk about Mean Girls just by ourselves. So <laughs> we are very happy to have Lena and Taylor join us for this discussion. I don't know why you wouldn't want to talk about it by yourselves. I'm sure you have lots to say. I'll, I just I just want to say that I rewatched this movie last night and part of me was a little worried. I was like, maybe I've just built this up too much in my head and I've seen it 50 billion times. And it's just funny because of that. And I watched it and I was like, no, this movie is hilarious. Everyone <laughs> should love this movie. There is one moment that made me laugh so hard. It was quite painful to my body because I was just like my abdomen, my ab workout for the day was being done by the laughter. I love hearing that. Will you tell us which moment that was? Oh, yeah. It gets mentioned in my summary. Okay. <laughs> I, I call it out quite specifically. So here's a touch more info and a quick synopsis about this. We're discussing Katie Heron. uh, who was played by Lindsay Lohan in the film Mean Girls, which was written by Tina Fey and directed by Mark Waters. The film was released in 2004 and is based on the 2002 self-help book Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman. And the film also stars Tina Fey, Rachel McAdams, and Amanda Seyfried. Is that how we say her name? Seyfried, Seyfried? fine, I think. Seyfried? Seyfried? I've heard it with either. multiple ways. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> and Amy Poehler. <laughs> So uh, and there uh, there are other people. Those are just the ones that are the biggest names yes. today from yeah. the film. Uh, I'll say how I came to this film. I heard about this film initially um, when it came out. It was kind of a big deal, and people were talking about it. I knew that a lot of people really liked it. And then there was a study done uh, at BYU, and I was studying at BYU at the time, and it was about Mean Girls and like all the science behind Mean Girls. It was it was kind of interesting. And I remember I read when, that when you Not say the... Mean Girls in this case, Todd. I just want. I just want you to clarify. Are you talking about the movie or girls who are mean? I'm talking about, uh, it, it says, mean girls start in preschool, BYU study shows. Four-year-old girls use social aggression to maintain dominance. And then okay. it goes on to talk about, uh, I'm sure it was done sort of in connection with the film, but it's talking about the, the social science behind the way that, uh, that young women and girls treat each other. Bred to be mean. Yeah, well, I don't know if they're bred to be mean, but um, but you can see it, patterns of behavior like really early on. Anyway, we can talk about that more. But uh, I read the study, but I didn't watch the film until um, just, uh, I don't know, probably a couple months ago. Betty and I, I said, I feel like a lot of people talk about this movie and I want to watch it. So I sat down and watched it. 
Um, and then I watched it again last night. So, and I, I think I'm in the camp of, um, I can see why a lot of people really like this film. I can't say that this is my favorite film you ever. You came into it too late. Um, Did you laugh though? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, an important funny. metric. <laughs> it's a really crucial metric. I can't say that I was like rolling around on the gr- on the ground laughing, but but did um, you like chuckle? <laughs> there are funny there are funny parts in it. There's also, um, I don't know. Crude I think it's kind of scary. <laughs> no, you... not that it's crude. Like I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't. I just think that it's scary. Like to think about scary truth. <laughs> so, so do like you think like, it's like emotional manipulation girl? is. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll say I have an eight-year-old daughter, and when I watched this this time, I was much more scared <laughs> than any previous time I've watched this. As I was like, "Oh no, what, what's coming?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I just I watch it as a dad of two girls, and I'm like, "Man, that that looks like fun." <laughs> well, you know, the original book is a self-help book for parents, so maybe you should pick that up. Yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> Um, uh, I remember, uh, well, I, I was just gonna say, I remember, I, I didn't see it when it came out, but I, I think I ended up with the DVD fairly early after the DVD release. And again, there are some parts that just make me laugh. I had forgotten. It's probably been f- more than maybe even a decade since I last watched it actually until what? last night when I was watching it for, exactly. for this discussion. And that's, I had completely forgotten. Crazy. I'll just say my favorite part. Right now, the school bus hitting Rachel McAdams is <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. And that's how the, uh... died. Wait, can we talk about the part that got me this time? And I feel like I laugh at something like really hard, different each time. Was when she's in her Halloween costume and she comes out and she scares that guy <laughs> and <he> falls down. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. I admit those are both legitimately funny parts. <laughs> And we'll go into more depth uh, during the synopsis, but there were definitely some parts that I completely forgot about. But kind of like Todd, now that I have an eight-year-old daughter, which I did not have last time I saw this, I'm sure, I just it was definitely one of those things that you approach with a different set of eyes, depending on what stage of life you're in. And I was like, oh, I hope it's this is just really, really exaggerated. Right, guys? Everyone, this is really, really exaggerated. <laughs> please tell me that this isn't true. Uh, Lena and Taylor, what about you guys? How did you come to Mean Girls? Uh, the first time I saw this was actually probably right at right as it was coming out because came out in 2004 and I graduated in 2003 and I'm pretty sure I was dating Nick at the time and we had gone to see it at the drive-in with my one of my best friends and a couple other random people and during the part in the movie where it um the first day of health class when the teacher says uh, don't have sex or you will get pregnant and die. We happened to be with another young woman who was still in high school and pregnant. And we, we kind of, my friend and I like oh. side glanced at each other, like, don't look, don't look, don't look. Oh and I, I couldn't tell you when I saw it again after that, but I do remember that very distinctly and that I have pretty much just not stopped watching it since then. <laughs> That's one of those memories that no, will never leave ever. you, no. Lena. <laughs> In fact, I'm a little concerned myself now that I'm pregnant because I watched that show and that's pretty specific instruction. All right. Uh, what about you, Taylor? So I don't specifically remember the first time I ever saw Mean Girls, but I feel like culturally this was like so relevant to me and like growing up in junior high and high school. I just remember like watching this movie all the time, like at sleepovers with my friends 
And we used to tease in high school that we we weren't allowed to date a boy unless he, he'd seen the movie Mean Girls and he loved it because it was like that important to us. Like we just quoted this movie constantly. We loved this movie. We still talk about this movie. I feel like rewatching it now again, it'd been a while since I'd seen it. And I just realized like how often I find myself quoting things from this movie and not even realizing it. So I think it just has overall been so important in my, like my sense of humor, like my, my friends, like this, this was like a huge movie for us. So I, I feel like you're in the camp of my younger sister. I texted her when I was watching it for this. And I said, I said, I said, I'm watching me girls for the podcast. And I said, I wish I could find a GIF right now to send you of, of the bus scene. And she sent it to me within like two <laughs> seconds. And then she's like, I'm on a major GIF hole. And, and she sent me like 10 more GIFs from Mean Girls with quotes attached. She's like, I love this quote from the movie. This one's the best. Who thinks I'm writing that? It's so good. <laughs> and, and she was saying like how often she quotes some of these things. Yeah, I was like, I was so surprised by like some things where I'm like, I say that all the time. And I don't even think I realized that I got that from this movie. Like there was a quote that from Tina Fey when she's like, that was a joke. Uh, sometimes older people make jokes. I say that all the time whenever I make a joke. Like people look at me like, I don't understand. You, are you joking? And I'm like, yeah, I, I was joking. And I'm like, I say these things all the time. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> I mean, what more that made me laugh out loud before we even get into the synopsis, the the line delivery for you can't sit here. Is that what the line is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sit here. <laughs> the line delivery on that was another laugh out loud moment of the film I, where like the I line itself is fine, but that delivery yeah. was a plus comedic timing. Just all of them. I love the you can go shave your back now. That's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm here for it. <laughs> I will say I will say about this film so right after I finished watching uh, Mean Girls last night I, I turned on Mean Girls 2 just because oh, I thought why did you do that no <laughs> well because I don't know anything no. about it obviously <laughs> so I turned on Mean Girls 2 and I thought this is terrible and <laughs> it, it like writing writing yeah. and direction and acting make a huge difference in a film <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna, you know, all of those three crucial I'm just gonna things. go on record as saying that if you have good writing and good directing and good acting, um, then you can you can create a film. You can that make a good movie. Is actually watchable. Yeah. Now, Todd, you've only covered like three of the original five spokes of the Motion Picture Academy <laughs> of Arts and Sciences. Like, what are you missing from the cinematography? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so did watching a little bit of Mean Girls too, like raise the quality of Mean Girls for you? Like, oh, wait, oh, that yeah, was a little absolutely. better. <laughs> yeah, like, Never really mind, did. this is a masterpiece. <laughs> no, I really did. I mean, uh, there there are parts about this film that I really, really enjoy. I just can't say that it's, the, uh, as I'm watching it, I'm just like gleeful because there's there's uh, like a dark side of it to me that that puts a damper on it's kind of like our conversation we talked about runaways oh uh, yeah last nick's week. favorite comic and i have the same feeling like i it's not my favorite comic because i'm a as a parent watching that reading that as a parent i'm like whoa i hope my kids don't see me like that because the parents in that are terrible i mean they're like literally they're super villains, villains yeah but... <laughs> so try not to be a super villain that'll probably help no but also like the way the the, the way that these children see their parents and, and in this like antagonistic relationship towards parents like i hope that when my kids are teenagers that i can have a better relationship with my children both literally and metaphorically than <laughs> than what i see in runaways and so while i recognize the quality of that story 
there's something about it that as I read it, I'm like, oh man, I, I just kind of feel like a little bit sick inside. And I felt that watching me, uh, watching me girls it, while at the same time, I recognize that like the writing is amazing. The acting is incredible, <laughs> especially compared to me girls too. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you got a barometer. I just want to know, did you make it all the way through Mean Girls 2, or did you get, no, like, 20 I, minutes I probably in, watched were... 20 minutes. I probably like, watched I 20 minutes this. of it, and I thought, this is just not nearly as good as Mean Girls. So I turned it off, and it was late, and I have no desire to finish it. <laughs> Don't. Well, well, Todd, you stole some of the thunder of my trivia about Mean Girls oh, when you revealed sorry. the existence of Mean Girls 2. Sorry. Uh, so, so some of my trivia here. Uh, mean Girls opened up at number one in the box office its first weekend. It made twenty. What was it? Twenty-four million dollars in the opening weekend before reaching a worldwide box office of one hundred twenty-nine million, which is all definitely successful. But the film has also, I think, clearly developed a dedicated cult fandom that go that is like outsized compared to that initial box office. Oh take. yeah, hardcore. Um, it uh, producer Andrew jumping in to say like it also has a cultural saturation. Like the cultural osmosis for this one is. Is very present. Yeah, and uh, like this really predates it all, but this movie is very good for the meme and GIF culture oh. that has arisen in the internet. <laughs> so many good. Quotes. I'd just like to say that I wrote an essay about Mean Girls in college. Like that's how important this movie is to me. I understand. <laughs> I love this movie so much. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're guest for this for this episode. Like I am, I was made for this podcast. All right. So uh, Mean Girls has an 84% positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And in 2012, Rotten Tomatoes named it as one of the top 50 teen comedies ever made. And in 2010, and this is going to be kind of a, a convoluted thing that it's ranked in, but Entertainment Weekly made a list of the 100, uh, it was the 100 greatest movies, TV shows, albums, books, characters, scenes, episodes, songs, dresses, music videos, and trends that entertained us over the last de- 10 years. So they were going from 2000 to 2010, what were the 100 most important pieces of pop culture? And it included Mean Girls in that list. I have a question. So is that 100, 100 total or 100 of each? I read it as 100 of each, but I did not go find uh, the article to to look it up and see <laughs> where it fell. So it could be 100 of each, but I'm guessing, I mean, imagine the size of the magazine if it was really 100 of each. It's got to be 100 total. I'm, I'm sure it's 100 total. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I subscribe to Entertainment Weekly. I bet it's 100 okay. total. <laughs> Uh, in 2011, there was a made-for-TV sequel, Mean Girls 2, that does not share any of the cast other than Tim Meadows as the principal, and apparently doesn't share any of the charm or wit. No. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> there was a PC video game, which this is the one where I was like, what, what? really? <laughs> there was a PC video what? game made from the film. And, okay, this is the other thing. I typed in Mean Girls to start looking up trivia, and I got inundated with new news articles about Mean Girls um, because I did this last night and yesterday a big press release went out about Tina Fey's Broadway musical where she wrote the book and her husband has written the music for Mean Girls that is premiering next uh, wow. March on Broadway. I read about that too, yeah. That's amazing. And, uh, I'm sure it will be fantastic. Oh, of course, yeah. How could it not? There's nothing in the Mean Girl <laughs> universe that has ever been subpar, right, Todd? <laughs> they have it a 50... <laughs> 50% of the of the Mean Girl franchise. Well, I don't know how the PC video game I would say there's out. a three. I'm pretty sure there's a Mean Girls three. I'm pretty oh, sure I, didn't, I never came across that. Okay. It was the trivia. 
Uh, but there was a movie called Mean Moms that was announced, and it was supposed to star uh, Jennifer Aniston, and it was based on another of Rosalind Wiseman's self-help books. This one was about being a mob in suburban culture, basically. Oh, cool. <laughs> Navigating that one. Uh, that was announced a few years ago, but it has not yet begun production, though it still seems to be on the studio's like list of things they plan on making. And Lindsay Lohan has been pushing for a sequel. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Lindsay Lohan's career could maybe use a little revival. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I guess uh, well, a magazine did like a 10 year anniversary and she first pushed for it there and she's mentioned it in subsequent interviews that she would like. She has the story idea for for a sequel. And the final bit of trivia, which is uh, works for when we're releasing this episode, October 3rd has become known as Mean Girls Day by fans of the film because of a line in the movie when Katie's crush, Erin, asks her what day it is and she says, it's October 3rd. <laughs> That's all it takes. It just has to be mentioned in a movie. <laughs> And, and then, and then you have an internet holiday. An actual yeah. holiday, yep. So I, I, I think have a word. less and than even a line in a film for an internet holiday these days. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> you true. just have to be, be a thing, and you can have an internet holiday about it. I have one word of warning. Um, besides, anybody who's interested in watching World uh, Mean Girls 2, don't. <laughs> uh, my second word of warning is, if you happen to be on YouTube and you see what looks like a very convincing trailer for Mean Girls, the the reunion something to be released in 2017 or 2018 don't watch that because it's fake it's not a real movie that's coming out and <laughs> so, so anyway. would like it to be <laughs> i may or may not have clicked on that and and watched it and about halfway through <laughs> thought wait a second i don't think this is really a movie that's coming out soon. as long as you didn't click on it and it was something inappropriate <laughs> um, well, I mean, the, depends on your definition of inappropriate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dear listeners, we want to thank each and every one of you for listening and especially thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least $1 per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly re released films and trailers. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. All right. Well, listeners, now we're going to enter the spoiler zone while I will, where I will give a full synopsis of the film. If you are interested in watching this, it is available for streaming on Netflix. I don't know if it was on Amazon Prime because I found it on Netflix and I stopped looking. No, I checked it everywhere. It only is on okay. Netflix. Uh, and this is one of those films that also, though, you could likely find someone who has a good DVD collection. Just ask, do you have Mean Girls? And they may very well have this one. Yeah, you can borrow my copy, too. <laughs> All right, here's the synopsis. Katie Heron was homeschooled in Africa by her parents, who are zoologists. Her mom took a job at a university in the States, and now for the first time, she's going to a public school. She's in her junior year of high school and about to discover the cliques and social structures that can drive the everyday life of American high school students. In class on her first day, she's trying to find a seat, and she's warned by Janice and Damien, who are sort of a goth girl and a gay boy, uh, where she should not sit. Whatever. You don't want to be sitting next to some of these students. Uh, those two, Janice and Damien, they befriend Katie, and they break down the stereotypical social groups at the school for Katie, warning her in particular about three girls they call the Plastics, who are rich, snooty, and image-obsessed girls, led by the Queen Bee, Regina George. At lunch, Katie is invited to sit with the Plastics, and this makes Janice, Katie's first friend, hatch a revenge plot. She has an axe to grind with the Plastics, and she wants to use Katie as a mole to ruin them. The Plastics have very specific rules, including details about what day of the week you wear certain colors or outfits, and how often you can 
can have your hair in a ponytail and many other things. Katie begins hanging out with the plastics one day at Regina's house after the girls engage in ritualistic self-shaming by complaining about their bodies while looking in the mirror. They show Katie the burn book. This is a book uh, it, well, it's a diary of sorts that has insults about all the other students at the school. Just gross, petty insults from beginning to end. In order to fit in, Katie says something insulting about Damien, which immediately gets written down in the book. Katie has a crush on a boy named Aaron Samuels in her math class. She finds out that Aaron is Regina's ex-boyfriend, and according to the code of the plastics, that means she cannot like him. Which seems weird. Uh, <laughs> she can't really help the way she feels, though. At the same time, Katie starts... Um, so So... She likes him, so she starts acting dumb in math class, even though she is really very good at math. Um, but she acts dumb so that Aaron will tutor her, even though as he is tutoring her, she keeps thinking, that's wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> this is so wrong. <laughs> Uh, but Regina gets a little jealous of Katie's interest in Aaron, so she rekindles her relationship with him. Uh, this makes Katie refocus herself on Janice's plan to ruin the plastics in general, and Regina in particular. Katie replaces Regina's facial cream with foot cream. She reveals Regina's infidelity to Aaron so that she'll that he will break up with her. She tricks Regina into eating high-calorie bars so that she'll gain weight, and she drives a wedge between Regina and the other plastics. And when this happens, the two other plastics cling to Katie instead of Regina, and Katie realizes she has become the queen bee. She throws a party at her house after blowing off plans with her parents and with Janice and Damien, but it gets pretty out of control and she gets drunk and she's alone with Aaron. She pukes. And uh, Regina sees Aaron and Katie together and Regina storms out. Then Aaron leaves and then Katie tries to catch Aaron and that's when Janice and Damien drive up and Damien is perfect in the scene. I love this scene so much. (laughs) Driving the car. (laughs) I cancelled up the car. Curfew. Uh, Janice accuses... Janice accuses Katie of now being a plastic, just like Regina, and then Damien and Janice drive off. Uh, In a fit of rage, Regina takes the burn book and adds a brutal entry in it about herself. And then she turns the book into Principal Duvall, saying that she doesn't know who made the burn book, but Katie and the two other plastics are the only girls who aren't in it. While Principal Duvall calls those girls to his office, Regina puts photocopies of the burn book all over the school, which causes a riot. And I'm not being, <laughs> like, metaphorical and saying it causes a riot. There's a full-on riot in this high school because of the pages of this burn book. Uh, eventually, all the writing g- girls are calmed down and taken to the gym for a lecture by Principal Duvall. He immediately realizes he is in over his head, and he turns things over to Miss Norberry, who is Tina Fey's character. Character. And Norberry has all the girls close their eyes and raise their hands if they have uh, if they are hurt by something someone else said behind their backs. Everyone raises their hands. Then she has the girls close their eyes again and raise their hands if they have ever said anything hurtful behind a friend's back. And again, they all raise their hands. Soon everyone is taking a turn reading an apology and doing a trust fall with varying degrees of success. Uh, Katie, who is really ashamed of what she's done, she skips out of the apology line, though, because she's just too embarrassed. And when Janice sees this, she gets up and says an apology that is actually an attack on the plastics and on Regina. Not much of an apology in there. And Regina storms out of the auditorium. Katie chases after her. They are arguing in the parking lot when a bus hits Regina. (laughs) Just full on out of nowhere. Regina is gone from the frame and a bus has taken taken her place. It is one of the most shocking and funniest moments in film history as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Wait, the best part of that is when she says, and that's how Regina George died. No, I just... And then she goes, the just kidding. <laughs> so great. It just comes out of nowhere. It was so perfect. It kind of reminded me of the of the scene in Pitch Perfect when the girl throws up. And it's <laughs> just, just like, not expecting it. You're not expecting it. And it's so much more than, <laughs> than, 
than what is called for in the i mean it, it just goes so above and beyond what you would expect for, from that and um it's 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 really amazing <laughs> now todd i just want a quick clar- clarification which puking in Pitch Perfect are you talking about? The I'm opening scene or <laughs> when they're fighting? The one when the when the little, when the when the Asian girl is doing snow angels. Oh, in- oh, <laughs> oh, that one. All right. Well, let's with that mental image in your minds, listeners. <laughs> uh, Katie takes the blame for the burn book and she will not say who else wrote it. So she's just taking the fall. She's grounded by her parents, shunned by her peers and disappointed. Her teachers are disappointed in her. She joins the mathletes for extra credit to make up for the test that she bombed in math so that Aaron would tutor her. The mathlete finals are the same day as the school's spring fling, which someone should have looked at a calendar. And <laughs> <laughs> so, someone dropped the ball. But seriously, are any of those mathletes really? That's what I was going to say. I'm sure that they did look at a calendar and thought, yeah, this is good. We'll give these kids an excuse to that's fine. <laughs> give them a noble. No one's asking Kevin G <laughs> to give yeah. them an out. Uh, so the school's spring fling is the social event of the year for these high school students. The at the mathlete competition, Katie has to face a member of the opposite team in a sudden death question for the win. The entire audience of about six people are completely on the edge of their seats <laughs> as these two face off. Uh, Katie, she she starts she goes face to face with this girl who's the, the only girl that was on the opposite team, and she starts to think negative things about the, uh, this girl's appearance before she realizes that the, that does not actually help her in any way, shape, or form with the problem that she is facing right now. So Katie uh, eventually is able to answer the question correctly. She wins the competition for her school. The mathletes return to the school for the spring fling where Katie is unexpectedly elected as spring fling queen, which feels like it should be in a Dr. Seuss rhyme. Um, (laughs) Despite the protestations of the principal that the spring fling queen does not have to give a speech, Katie insists on giving a speech and she uh, apologizes and gives a very heartfelt speech about uh, over uh, rebuilding bridges of all the divides that have been broken up through the social groups this year. She also breaks her crown apart into chunks because it's just plastic and she throws pieces to the other girls at the dance. She rebuilds bridges with all the friends she hurt. And next year, the seniors have fewer clicks that divide the student body. The end. Well done. Thank you. So what... Lena and Taylor, do you want to talk about about Mean Girls? Let's start with you guys. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about how, like, real this is for a lot of things that happen with girls and how girls are socialized and the, like, certain ideas are obviously, like, taken to the next level and exaggerated a lot throughout the movie. But I, I still feel today watching it, I connect a lot with, like, the passive-aggressive way that girls, like, are... handle handle everything everything. and i i think that that's like a big part of why i love this movie is because i watch it i'm like this is so funny and i'm also like and this is so true true. (laughs) you are not making me feel better about my eight-year-old daughter at the (laughs) next stages of life she'll be entering (laughs) which um i already mentioned i was texting with my sister uh kate um during while watching it and she said something like oh it's so true i was like really is it (laughs) because it feels very heightened (laughs) I mean, I definitely think it is heightened, but I do think there's a certain degree, like, where there's some there's some real truths there, too. I mean, it is based on a nonfiction book, right? Yeah, a self-help book, self-help book too. I have a question. So, you know there's already a problem. I have a question about about this, this idea of, like, fidelity and watching it. 
So one of the things that, that interests me as a scholar is the way that, uh, like a text, uh, so there's this theory that says that a text isn't really complete until it's read, or like a film isn't complete until it's viewed, because there's a text, but then we as viewers sort of complete it in our in our minds. And we bring stuff to the table, and and that sort of completes the text. And so... So I'm wondering, like, as I'm watching this, I'm watching this as a dad of a of two daughters, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what <laughs> what world awaits them, right? Um, and and from what I hear from both of you, and what I gather from other people that I that I know who like this film, you watch it and you say, that's it's so true, it's so true. And is there just some like, is there joy in? in seeing that it's true? Is it like, is, are, are you laughing so that you don't cry? Is there <laughs> like, do you feel, I, I mean, uh, do you feel better about yourselves because you're like, Oh, at least I'm not like them. Or do you recognize yourselves in that? Like saying, no, that's how all girls are. Or that's how other girls are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and my, I go to like the, when you see like the, parody videos for different jobs like anytime I watch a YouTube or something video where people are talking about a call center or a customer service and they talk about like you can yell all you want because all I'm going to do is badmouth you when we hang up you know like I laugh at that because yeah you do take a lot of crap when you're on the phones but that's true and while it may suck it's also funny and so like these types of things with this with this movie, like, yeah, you relate to some of them because you may have either been part of it or witnessed it. But for the most part, like, they did a pretty good job of, of escalating them for comedic effect. You know, like, I can say I may have known girls who did, you know, some of that or to a degree or something. But my high school was by far not anything like North Shore. So sure. You never had a riot? Uh, uh, no, no riots. <laughs> a bull run once, but no riots. Hold on. <laughs> that was a joke. I just wanted to see the reaction I'd get. <laughs> okay. I had a follow-up question, but it was just a joke. <laughs> but does that question make sense of, of, of like, <laughs> was a follow-up question. <laughs> was it about Sorry, the bull run? <laughs> yes, that was my follow-up question. Yeah. It was about the bull run. Oh, yeah. No, it's fine. Go ahead. And yes, the question makes sense. Well, no, that's, I mean, I'm interested in this question of do you do you see like, do you see yourselves in the film? Do you identify with people in the film, or do you identify as like something that you've seen or something that you've been a part of? And if if you've been a part of it, then I'm interested in. I mean, I like you don't have to tell me all the details of your <laughs> of your like high school life, but you know, like, do you do you identify with the characters in this as like I've lived that or I've seen that? Does that I, distinction make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I think that it's different for me sometimes each time I watch it or as I get older, and I'm able to look back and be like, wow, there were points in junior high or high school where I may have been insecure and I may have you know said something bad about another girl or I may have like you know, talked badly about someone behind their back and that's not very nice or I shouldn't have done that. But then there's also parts where you watch it and I've been able to identify being like, oh, wow, I've really been that person where I felt like everyone's talking about me or everyone's saying this about me. But I think Lena had a good point. It's obviously so like escalated uh -huh. to the fact where like, that's not, I mean, it's not really like that. Like there's not a riot that's going to happen, but also <laughs> like one of the points that I found 
like that kind of like made me go, oh, that hurts so bad because I feel like girls do that is when they're in the cafeteria and Regina and Aaron are back together. And she says, oh, your hair looks so sexy, pushed back. And she pushes his hair back. And then she looks at Katie and she goes, tell him his hair looks sexy, pushed back. And it's just so passive aggressive. And it's so like she knows. She knows how to hurt her. And she's like, like, that wasn't even like that, like crazy. Like that wasn't some crazy thing she was doing. She was just like, hey, I know you like this boy. And so I'm going to make you say something nice to this boy in front of me because, you know, he's my boy and he's not your boy. Like to me, that was like, oh, yeah, that that happened when I was in high school. Like girls were that mean. The, like that stuff I connect with. The and I think there's like moments of the film that are clearly so exaggerated that like I completely separate them from reality. But some of the ones that made me the most uncomfortable are the ones where I was like, that feels real. And one of them, which I called in the summary, like the ritual self shaming, as they had the girls line yeah, up in front of the yeah. mirror and each one complained about their body. And I think the voiceover said, I used to think there was like only issues about being fat or skinny, but apparently any part of your body can be wrong. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and and like one of them's like, oh, I hate my calves and things like this. And that was one where you don't have man shoulders. Yeah, the, like the, the scene, it plays comedically. And I kind of chuckle at the way that like, they turn and look at Katie with the expectation, like, it's your turn to say something you don't like about yourself. Um, and you can laugh at that. But at the same time, it like cut a little deeper than some of these other more exaggerated elements of it, where like, again, as and I'm sure I'm viewing this differently as a father now. But like, I worry about my eight year old daughter entering any phase where it's like, pick out something you don't like about your body like that's horrible <laughs> that should yeah. not be uh a part of any culture and i worry that th- that one cut a little too close to home because it's true that that happens and she's getting to the age of your daughter where that may be closer than it is far away <laughs> don't say that i'm being realistic um i will say that with this movie i relate to a little bit of both Like, I relate to a lot of Katie being, like, kind of the fish out of water, like, not fully understanding what happens in girl world, because I was always kind of a tomboy. So there was a a lot of things that even in elementary and early junior high that my friends would would do or say that they seemed totally comfortable with. And I was sitting in the background going, I don't know what's happening. And (laughs) then, and so, like, there are times when you kind of, you feel for that. You understand that kind of watching from the outside. And then you may have had friends in your group that did things similar to the plastics. Or maybe you had friends that were like the the cutaway characters were like, oh, yeah, I totally knew someone that was, you know, totally frenemies with the totally popular girl. And it, she didn't even notice when she was punched in the face and that that should have been terrible instead of something to look up to, you know. <laughs> and so I don't think you're ever supposed to completely identify with just one character. I think you're in- intentionally supposed to enjoy aspects of everybody. And okay. I think there is there there are huge parts of this that definitely feel like parody, right? Uh, of you know, course. like this is not documentary <laughs> <laughs> versions of high school. Uh, it, it's, it's it's that would have been rated way differently. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and uh, but it, it it does strike that really odd balance, and I think it does it quite well of having those. Uh, parodic elements and then also having some of those where it's like these are some real issues that girls face like uh when when uh tina Fey's character during the the lecture in the in the gym she's like girls stop calling each other whores (laughs) and sluts because that gives everyone else license to call you that and no girl should be called that right period um yeah and and that's like a legitimate point that's being made about girl culture in the midst of so many other parts that are just comedically um parodying high school life I feel like the very I feel like the end of this film really 
redeems like the film. I mean, <laughs> they they could have written a different ending to this film, and I I think it would have been far far less satisfying. But I, I agree with you in that um, the moments of the film that had the biggest impact uh, to me were the were the parts that were played more straight, uh, like the and the whole Tina Fey thing at the end. Like I, I think I mean I, I like that. Yeah, I agree. Dude, she doesn't even go here. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh that was my personal dame damien impression <laughs> this was really well I'm perfecting it you did a great job taylor <laughs> for listeners who are very confused <laughs> uh, that was nick english former guest of our podcast and co-host of the fandom podcast who just popped in for one of if you've listened to our movie quote episode or our princess bride episode i guess is where <laughs> we did i well, no, in the movie quote episode it was, yeah it was, it was the movie quote episode. uh for greater context uh he is married to lena and helped do the setup on their end for for just, this yes. recording did a fly-by quotation for us <laughs> Of, he's and just it, ultimately incredibly jealous that we're doing this instead of him <laughs> I think he but, just wanted to express his favorite line of the movie <laughs> <laughs> it is a good line then the, it's another line that the delivery is pretty fantastic uh, on on that moment a sea full of women or girls i guess and then damien in the back in a blue hoodie with sunglasses, <laughs> sunglasses over a head taller than everybody else iconic <laughs> I really want to see his trust fall. I want to see him get up there, <laughs> throw himself off. The girl, the girl in the wheelchair. <laughs> Whatever. I love Janice because I have a big lesbian crush on you. Suck on that. Ay ay ay. Oh man. So many good lines. So let's talk a little bit about Katie herself and like the arc of the film. And again, I I think what Tom was saying, like the, the resolution where she, well, well like she starts the film as a, as a pretty innocent, good girl becomes evil, <laughs> like becomes like, like that phrase becoming her own worst enemy takes a really different meaning in this yeah. film yeah. because she, she becomes Regina who is yeah, you know, think, her, her worst enemy at the beginning of the I film. Think the perfect line for it is when she says, you know, it may seem like I, I was acting like a bitch, but that was only because I was acting like a bitch. <laughs> that, that like, <laughs> that yeah, that's pretty spells it out. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, like the resolution that Todd said is really satisfying. Like as all these bridges kind of get rebuilt, like there's an actual message to the film. It's not just wallowing in the angst and the, the, the bad things that teenagers do to each other, which you could make. And I'm sure there have been made comedies that are just about the bad things teenagers do to each other in social circles, um, in high school, but it does redeem all of that. And it redeems Katie quite a bit because a lot of watching this film, it, it made me think of the phrase like a slow motion car wreck. Cause like every decision she was making, I was like, no, don't. <laughs> That's you're yeah. making the exact wrong decision uh-huh. right now. <laughs> yeah, don't go in there. But yeah, I, think, I like, like her arc. Yeah, I think in adolescence, that's like such a like a common thing. Like you're going through an identity crisis. You're not sure who you are. You're not sure like. So I thought I don't know. It was very cool to watch her be unsure and kind of come in as one person and morph into like these different versions until she kind of had a stronger sense of self. And like I don't know, it is a good message. Like it's not just like yeah, girls are mean. It's, that's all. That's how it has to be forever. <laughs> well, I like what you said about a sense of and self just- because we, like the the middle arc of the film when she's lo- she's losing herself is what she's doing. Like she's not being true to herself, and yeah. the film is about no, <laughs> like reclaim your own identity. And that it doesn't do you any good to try and pretend to do. Be well, and it else. it also talks about at the at the scene at the end about how like putting someone else down or 
you know, pointing out others' flaws, that's not going to help you through life. That's not going to make you feel better. And she, like she says, ultimately, you know, trying to ruin Regina George's life didn't make her life any better. Like it didn't help. I don't know. So it's a, it's a good message. Are there any? And throughout the entire movie, every adult is telling her to do something different. I mean, Norberry says it when she says you don't need a boyfriend and you know, her parents say it like, don't you like, don't you respect these things? Like, I thought you were in, and she's just scoffing at it all because she obviously knows better. And it's because she's so focused on becoming something that she thinks she wants so badly. I've got two questions that are both both related to what we've been talking about here. So one is, are there any well adjusted kids in this film until the very end, like throughout the body of the film? I feel like Damien's. I feel like Damien's pretty well adjusted. Okay, and then, um, and then, what do you guys make of the adults in this film? Like janitor from Scrubs. Yeah, that's <laughs> that exactly. Was, also, that policeman from no, the fugitive, I mean. and the guy, and the dad from the middle. I always think of him as the dad from the middle. But so, are these good? Are these oh, good yeah. adults? Like, are they are they good parents? Are her, they bad her, parents? Are they good teachers? Are they bad teachers? Her dad does ask. About like he's not sure how to ground her, so yeah. So you don't let them out when they're grounded. grounded? (laughs) (laughs) I think that Katie's mom is probably pretty solid. Wait, what's her line where she's like, "This is the fertility base of the the Unabelli tribe." Does this mean nothing to you? Mean nothing to you? (laughs) And she goes, "Uh, no, no. Uh, I don't even know who you are anymore." Yeah, I I do think that that Katie's mom is pretty solid. And I think there's something to be said for the look on Regina George's face during the Halloween costume scene. Or on her on her dad's face, I'm sorry, when they're viewing the, <laughs> oh, the costume. When he's and crying. He's like clearly displeased. So obviously right. there's something going on there, but he, well, he's, he hasn't he's stepped up much or it he's wouldn't also, have He's also standing there next to his wife who's taking pic- I mean like <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold that up as a model of uh, great fatherhood. <laughs> like sitting there weeping while you're watching your daughter dress up in lingerie to go to a Halloween party, and and the fact that he's crying, I wouldn't say that that like says a lot about what a great dad he is. But, no, but at least he's not encouraging it like the mom is. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's a. I mean, it's a pretty low bar. I mean, I well, think I don't. I, I think, think the Tina Fey character is. I think the T- the Tina Fey character is pretty interesting, um, and maybe the like I don't know maybe the best adult in this film. We definitely learned more about her than any other adult um, in the entire film. I like the yeah. principal. I do like the principal a lot too. When, when like, he just taps out immediately <laughs> during the he says, "I did not leave the South Side for this." <laughs> I will keep you here all night. I will keep you here until four (laughs) o'clock. One of my favorite lines is at the beginning when he says, I have a sister who named her son Anthony. And I I know how mad she gets when I call him. She gets when I call him Anthony, almost as mad as I get when when I think about how his name's Anthony. (laughs) Like what? And also, fun trivia fact about the principal, he actually broke his arm prior to filming. And so they rewrote him with a storyline to involve the cast. Where he says, I have carpal tunnel. Yeah, how was carpal your tunnel came back. Came back and she's like, I got divorced. And she goes, I, I win. win. <laughs> I was, uh, I do want to say, like, with those two, I was happy to see them dancing at the end. Yes. See, that always weirds me out every time I see it. It's like, no, just stop. Don't force it. I just feel like there's so many small things that are, that are so funny. Like, when they get to the, the math tournament and Kevin G goes, man, 
such a good turnout this year. And then it pans out and there's like, <laughs> like 10 people. Maybe 10 people spread out in this giant. It's definitely auditorium. not even all their parents. Not even all the Mathlete's parents are there. Yeah. It does make you wonder who decides to go to a Mathlete competition like that when you don't have a kid in the competition. <laughs> like, who are these 10 yeah. random people? Other aspiring Mathletes. Bar- yeah, probably. Or alumni. <laughs> alumni. <Coming> back. <laughs> Man, I gotta, <laughs> gotta come back and check out this mathlete tournament. It's like, it's, it's like the kids out. that go back to watch their high school football team when they're wearing their varsity jackets. <laughs> <laughs> the old mathletes showing up. <laughs> Glory days. <laughs> <laughs> Ruled the school. Wow. What other adults <sighs> were there? I think that's it. We have the parents. I, well, there was the evil gym teacher. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Wait, so he this is, is not a, a responsible gym teacher. No, no he's <laughs> just, not. No. Can we talk about in the scene where they're trying to get uh, Aaron to catch uh, Regina cheating on him with Shane Oman? And he's like, supposed to go to, was it swim yeah. practice? He's supposed to go to swim gonna practice. Be, in I the... think about this, the and, and the sign says, swim practice has been changed to the projection room above the auditorium. <laughs> Please come here. But I, every time I think, what? Why would you think like, that was that doesn't, that doesn't make you stop and think about like, hey, why would we have swim practice in a projection room above the auditorium? Oh, man. Aaron's not that smart. Well, clearly. He is not. He's pretty he bad really at math. Isn't. I guess they did. He is in the advanced math class. Well, no, he's in. He's that grade. Aaron is a grade older. It's a 12th grade math class, and Katie oh. is a junior. Is it, it, she, right. She's the one stepping up. Oh, okay. I actually do have a good friend who love- is often a tutor for either chemistry or math, and she says that that line in her goes through her head all the time. Wrong. It's so wrong. <laughs> it's like, huh? I love the line when she's talking to him and she says, oh, cool. <laughs> and then she goes, uh, I meant to say great, and then I was going to say cool, so I said gruel. <laughs> like, I just feel like how awkward I was in high school that just I would I would have said something like that. And now you say it on purpose. Oh, all the time. All cool. the time. Yep, gruel. <laughs> Should that be our our quote for the for the <laughs> title of the episode? Gruel. Gruel. No, I think you should have the one that Tina Fey says when they run into them at the the in the soap store that Janice works at, and she goes, "Well, this has been sufficiently <laughs> awkward." <laughs> I say that all the time. I, I, that is one quote that I know I have heard, and I did not know it was from this movie until I was rewatching it today. Yeah. And I'm like, that, I well, hear people say that one pretty frequently. That's yeah. one that I say all the time that I was like, oh, yeah, that's where I got this from. I, I work with teenage boys. I'm a youth counselor. And I feel like any time I have an awkward conversation with one of them, I just go, well, this has been sufficiently awkward. And then I walk <laughs> a good away. Closing line. Everyone knows where they stand. No more talking. <laughs> we all want to stand right now. <laughs> so I've got just a couple. I've got a couple other kind of. Uh, random notes here. One is that the the article from BYU is actually pretty interesting, and I'll put a link in show notes, but there's this one quote from it that says, it says this, we are all aware of girls who secure their social hierarchy through relationship manipulation during adolescence, but it is striking that these aggressive strategies are already apparent and related to increased social centrality in preschool, said David Nelson, senior author and assistant professor of marriage, family, and human development at Brigham Young University. Preschoolers appear to be more sophisticated in their knowledge of social behaviors than credit is typically given them. And then they go through and just describe like all of this behavior that they see in preschoolers that then uh, carries on through high school. And it's uh, 
that's kind of a. And is it just in girls? Like, did they specifically <laughs> study girls, or did they notice it in yes. boys too? Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is a study that's published in the journal Early Education and Development. And it sounds like they were the, focusing on yeah. girls for this they study. They were focusing on the correlation between rela- relational aggression and peer social hmm. status. And there were two studies, and there anyway, the, the, you can go like read the details, but yeah, I um, think that's really interesting. The the controversial child is socially savvy. They're good resource controllers, socially skilled, popular, conscientious, and socially integrated, and yet are among the most aggressive, dominant, and arrogant children in the peer group. It is this bi-strategic mix of positive and negative behavior that allows them to maintain their standing in the social hierarchy. Their children, they, they receive a substantial number of both like and dislike nominations from their peers. So what did they do? Like, everybody raise your hand if you like Cindy? Like, raise your hand if you don't like... I'm sure that they, I'm sure they probably didn't do it quite. That sounds like, like the methods. Go, go look at the methods, Todd. I bet that's it. It was an open classroom raising the hand. I'm sure, sure Cindy's it was not like psychologically damaged now. It was like those leadership camps in high school when you would sit in a chair and then everybody would go around uh, and say yes. something that they liked about you, but um, but they would be able to say something either positive or negative, just I whatever. Often, I often and then they wrote it down and published it. Negative. They probably used everybody's names and yeah. Okay, I want to take something that Todd just said and prompt some discussion because it talked about how they use positive and negative, basically enforcement, to create their personal status how is that incorporated into the film it's that oh i love your skirt and then turning to somebody else and saying i hate that skirt right like that's the ugliest effing skirt ever well and also to their face where like um like that scene that i said cuts really close for me the when the plastics are like we've got to say something bad about our bodies so that everyone else will then praise us Oh yeah, when mm-hmm, Regina right. says, "I want to use or, lose no. three pounds," and then looks at everybody, oh, and then she, so yeah, she immediately yeah. like mm-hmm. looks at them, yeah, like, fishing for them to be like, "No, Tell no, no, me, you're I'm so wrong. skinny, you're so yeah. great." But these don't seem like legitimate positives. They, these are like subversive yeah. positives. Well, but that's the point, right? Like that. Well, no, because it... a subversive positive is a negative. I'm sure that the the people like monitoring kindergartners were sophisticated enough to say oh this child was deceptively positive that's not a positive enforcement they must have found like actual positive enforcements right well wouldn't you consider like come and eat lunch with us yeah so that's what i'm not if it's manipulative is that not if it's manipulative but the point of the study is to say that these girls uh, uh, i mean the girls in the study they're able to achieve social dominance because can they, be nice. They are able to handle both positive and negative things. They're able to manipulate well, they take their and classmates give away. in order to keep themselves on top of the social hierarchy. Well, it, it makes me think of that scene in the movie where um, Katie's trying to get Gretchen and Regina to fight. And re- she sa- she talks about how like the more Regina would push Gretchen away, the harder Gretchen would try to like get her approval. And because she knew it was worse to be outside of the plastics that it was to be inside the like inside the plastics with Regina hating her that she like she needed that approval I, I, I agree. don't know no, I think and I also kind of along those same lines I read a I don't know blog post maybe even I can't remember where I found it that was saying that women have a hard time accepting a compliment and we need to learn to just say thank you and not say when someone says, oh, I like your dress. We're like, oh, I found it's just I barely fits or, you know, I don't whatever word color or, you know, just say thank you and then be OK with the compliment. And that goes in the movie when she says you're really pretty. And she says, 
oh, thank you. And she's like, so you agree. You think you're really pretty. Like, it's suddenly a bad thing to even just <laughs> take a compliment. And I think that goes deep for a lot of women. You're automatically bred to brush away anything positive and soak up anything negative. And to deflect any of the compliments. Yeah. Uh, and when she doesn't, like, that's like, uh, she, it means she's being arrogant, right? Right, yeah. Heaven forbid you say, okay, sure, someone thinks I'm pretty. I appreciate that. And suddenly you're yeah. arrogant for thinking that. There was one, wasn't there another scene early on when um, Katie was still being kind of the fish out of water, wasn't socialized yet into how, you know, things were at the high school. And one of the plastics did something to try and manipulate her. And she didn't, she like, it didn't bother her. And that was weird for the plastics. I'm trying to remember what the scene was. Hmm. Like, was it like she revealed something that she had said? And she's like, yeah. So it's when they have the three way phone call and she's like, aren't you totally mad at Gretchen oh, for yeah. telling me that? Mm-hmm. And oh, it's, like, I don't know. No, I, she I don't, just likes I don't the think attention. That I've, yeah. Like, Oh, she, she probably just likes the attention. And then she's like, see Gretchen, I told you, you she wasn't mad at you. And then she hangs up really fast. <laughs> and Gretchen, I can't believe you think I like attention. <laughs> and I, I feel like I connect with, I don't know necessarily if I was in like any three way, like phone call attacks in high school, but I definitely would, you'd get the girls who'd be like, well, I mean, aren't you mad at Susie? Like, come on. And you'd be like, oh, I guess I'm kind of mad at Susie. And then like, you know, a couple days later, pretty soon Susie's like, so I heard you're mad at me. <laughs> and you're like, what did I do? Yeah, I, I don't understand what just happened. I don't know what I you just got ambushed. did. <laughs> I, I didn't even try and summarize the, the multiple person phone calls because I did not know how to put any of that on paper. Okay, so one of my favorite parts is the second one that they do. And it's where... Um, Regina's trying to get Karen to come out with her. She's like, come on, let's hang out. I'm so sick of Gretchen. I don't want to hang out with her. And Gretchen's on the other line. But in this scene, like the nonverbal, like the actions of Regina is she's like slicing this baguette and then just of like bread. Takes and then she picks up the slice, sets down, and then just like shakes her head and picks up the entire baguette and just starts eating. <laughs> and every time I'm like, this is so great. I can't. This is so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the acting from all of these, uh, like top to bottom in this film, is really good. I read too that, and now I can't think of her name, but the actress for um, now Regina. No, what's the other one? Shoot, Gretchen? yes, man, names. Um, Gretchen is like Lacey. Sh- yeah, that sounds familiar. I guess she was always the first choice. There were no other. Nobody even. Uh, entertained there being someone else for that character it was always supposed to be her well in that caesar we should all just stab caesar that scene alone just <laughs> that's so that good but she is so perfect <laughs> brutus is just as smart as caesar lacy chambert oh yeah okay brutus is just as pretty as caesar <laughs> just as and also as if you think about if you think about like um even amanda seafried who doesn't isn't given like a lot to do in this film but if you contrast her performance here with her her performance in Les Mis, that's the same actress. And that's amazing. <laughs> She's got a pretty wide range that she's showing. <laughs> the, the image of her putting on the diamond uh, yeah, K yeah. in the mirror, and then it pans out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, and this was her first feature film, too. So she really wasn't a big name. She could kind of afford to like really play that up. She'd been on Veronica Mars before this, right? Uh, before? Or at the I'm same trying to remember time? the timeline. Mm, I think it might have been around the same time. Because I know that that yeah. show was Veronica after Mars school. was 2004. Yeah. 
Okay, right? so it'll be around the yeah. same time. But Taylor, didn't you tell me that she was supposed to just be like a one-off character and then like that first episode or second episode or something and she was supposed to be done? But then they liked her. Yeah, and Veronica Mars, I thought that I read something like she wasn't supposed to come back as much as she well, did. They ended she, up like loving her. If you're familiar, she's dead the entire first yeah. season. Well, the entire show. She's dead the whole she time. Does, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but she does alive. get a lot of flashbacks throughout yes. the first season. Yes. Which uh, I guess that you really have to impress them if they say, we want you back as after they killed person. you in the yes. pilot. <laughs> I think my favorite Karen line is when she says, when they're arguing about, they're getting Regina, trying to get Regina to leave the table because they're like, you can't sit with us. You're wearing sweatpants. And she's like, those rules aren't even real. And then Karen goes, they were real that day. I wore, a, wore that vest. That's because that vest was disgusting. <laughs> and I just always imagine like poor Karen wearing this really ugly vest, like sitting alone. Because... You, know what I am, you know what vest I imagine her wearing? The one that Tina Fey's wearing earlier. With all the flair. With all the pins on it from the bar. <laughs> I think I have a vest just like that. It's great. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. If you guys have ever seen uh, me in person, my purse has a lot of pins on it. Oh, oh, can we talk about the the talent show? The Jingle Bell Rock <laughs> and Damien's... I just kind of skipped over you? it in the, uh, in the synopsis, but I will just say, for a high school talent show, these performances range from inappropriate to wildly inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all you suck at NCs. Oh yeah, nothing on I me. read too that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler had to coach him on that rap to be able to do it for the talent show, which I can just totally picture the two of them doing this rap to They're teach like, him. Bigger, bigger, yeah. yes. more, so give funny. us more. You're you're too subtle. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, inappropriate to very inappropriate. Just like that first shot of when they slap their knees and just everyone is like, <gasps> the dad. It's uh-huh. the dad. Yeah. Yeah. White it's eyes. The dad oh, no. like, this, oh my this god. Okay. And Regina's mom like doing it with them while she's oh. <laughs> pageant mom. <laughs> it's like it, it's not like there's good parents and there's bad parents. It's it's like there's bad parents yeah. and worse parents. It's sort of <laughs> it's like inappropriate and wildly inappropriate. It's like there's bad parents and wildly bad parents. <laughs> But I don't see really great parents. Um, I think the dad. I, I think. I think. Uh, what's her name? Katie's m- mom and dad are yeah. trying. <laughs> well, I think that they were great parents when they were homeschooling her in Africa, they, and they yeah, are as yeah. out of water as Katie yeah, is out of water they, in way over their head. Like I think if you take that into context, that you're like, wow, these parents have never had to deal with like Mean Girls or high school or cliques or anything. Like, how are they supposed to know? But it also made me be like. Didn't you go to a normal school? You, also like, grew up in Africa? you you don't know what grounding is? Like you what did your yeah, what kind of child were you? Were you, you also raised in Africa? I think it might be like the least I mean, besides the, the, the bus scene. <laughs> the getting run over by the bus, but it might be the least believable part of this film is just how clueless her parents are to what's going on. Because of the and fact she's kind that kind of constantly saying, Oh, she's a good kid. They're like, Oh, you love Lady Blacksmith Mombazo. <laughs> What do you mean you don't want to go to this concert with us anymore? Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I, there, there's so many warning signs, you know, like failing class and... But they don't find that out until, like, it's almost too late. Like, they don't find that out until she's already kind of a pariah. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I, don't know. I just think it's hard. You can't judge judge people. It's hard. Yeah, like, guys, you know, parenting's hard. Parenting is hard. I know, here I am so judgy. I, no, I, what I, I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not saying like shame on those parents. They should know. 
I'm saying that I, I it's not believable. I, it's not believable the way that it's written that the parents that would be able to take their kid out of the United States and go to Africa and raise her and have her have this like really successful experience in Africa would then come to the States and like then had a parent complete. Yeah. Completely forget <laughs> how to parent their child and, and then just be sort of like bungling through this, like because of the fact that they're so well-meaning and so apparently intelligent and so good at raising her up until her junior year in high school for them to just completely drop the ball like that. It's, it's hard for me to believe. Did they? But the dad does it so well. <laughs> he, he really, it, it is very funny, his delivery, uh, particularly the grounding line. <laughs> like, where is she? She went out. She's grounded. And? <laughs> you're not allowed out when you're grounded? Yeah. It's that, it's, uh, yeah. So I'm not judging, I'm not judging the parents. I'm judging. It's just uh, uh, like the tone, the tone of it is, is, is um, like a, a further break from reality than a lot of it is. Yes. But I feel like a further break from reality is like Regina's parents, where I'm like, that to me is more where I'm like, really? That I hope that's not really happening with like tons of parents. <laughs> but, <laughs> She's like, yeah, this used to be my parents' room. I made them oh. trade me. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> or like with the with the daughters watching like Girls Gone Wild or something yeah. in the background. None of that surprises me at all, probably because I've seen parents that are like that. I mean, that are that are. A, a less extreme version of that, but also because we don't ever get the impression that they're really, really trying, right? Like, yeah. like we get with with Katie's parents. Yeah, does that make sense? Well, I, th- I so think this whole movie it? walks a really tight line of these tonal shifts that we've already talked about. Some of it feels like huge parody. Some of it cuts really close to home, and some of it is dealing with very real issues in a serious way. And yet, it makes a whole that. Most of it doesn't feel out of place, but maybe this bit about Katie's parents doesn't, like, the tone doesn't quite fit into the jigsaw puzzle of everything else. And it's just interesting to listen to you, like, coming at it from the perspective of a parent. You're like, hey, I'm trying to identify with these dumb parents that aren't helping the kid. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, Lindsay Lohan, you tell Regina George. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the litmus test they tell you that when you're you finally become old when you start identifying with King Triton? Yeah. Or well, yeah, like I'm like I'm not even like who cares about her parents? They're just in the background doing stuff. Yeah, I think I think the transition, I think the transition to adulthood is when you are watching Home Alone, <laughs> and it's no longer about how would I set up my house. It's oh that looks so painful when I get hit. Yeah, paint cans burn. Yeah. Yeah, well, but I think this movie a, is a curmudgeon in that, in that. <laughs> <laughs> because I think all of those things I identify with Triton. I don't like him alone anymore because <laughs> it makes me sick for like a, a number of different reasons. So I'm, I'm certainly an, a, a curmudgeonly old man. Have you applied for Social Security yet? No, but uh, but it's on the horizon. It's on my to do list. <laughs> I, I think this movie though is a good one for that kind of recognition that when you watch the same media at different stages of life, uh, like you've, you've had your own um, like shift in how you view it, right? You've had your own paradigm shift in how you're going to view the world and, and you see it differently depending where you're at. Like, I know when I saw this, when I wasn't married, I was uh, like, it came out in 2004. I would have been in college. I didn't, have some of the same concerns that I have now that I have an eight year old daughter. And I'm like, what, what's on the horizon here? <laughs> what, what, what is <laughs> the speeding train <laughs> that, that is about to run me over uh, or speeding school bus? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and, and I think that's a really fascinating thing because the text itself doesn't change. And it gets back to the Todd's earlier point about like part of the meaning of a text is the audience interaction with it. And even if it is the same person interacting with it, we're going to get different things out at different points in our lives. Agreed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think that what makes this movie so good is that mix of those that hit really close to home. And that's just exaggeratedly funny because if a movie were one or the other, it certainly wouldn't be as much fun to watch because there are movies that are strictly comedy just for comedy's sake. And they're funny, but that's pretty much it. And then there are the like dramedy kind of shows that have that more realistic tone and they're fine, but they might not be as fun to watch. And this one was definitely trying to be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I, I like so that point quotable. a lot. It's just so quotable. <laughs> it's just so It really lines. is incredibly, I mean, it's really, really well written. Thank you, Tina and, uh, and that that does a Tina lot. Fitt. It does a lot that was like my. That was my third note is that I was when I took notes watching it and I just wrote, Tina Fey is the best with like 500 <laughs> exclamation points. <laughs> it was right below, hey, the janitor from Scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first reaction because he's in the very first shot of the film, yeah, isn't he? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, janitor. <laughs> I haven't seen you for a while. <laughs> the, the thing I also That's noticed was in that first one of those first scenes where she's walking up to school is there's just a book on fire. Like there's legit like three kids and there's like a book on fire and one of them like kicks it. And I just was like, how have I missed? And, and then, well, there's is... one girl who's like tentatively trying to put the fire out because it's her yeah. book. And I'm like, what is happening? What? What? You didn't just randomly have books on fire at your high school, Taylor? So, yeah. So my, my other line was book on fire? Question <laughs> mark. Oh, also, uh, I just want to talk about in the, in one of the first scenes where she's like, Katie's like, oh, I don't fit in. I don't have nowhere to sit at lunch. And then she goes and eats yeah, no. in the bathroom, which is Terrible. disgusting. No, food in the like, bathroom. That is not a mix. That I'm just should like, be. Girl, you can high school yeah, girl, you can find anywhere else to eat. Like, like a hallway or yeah. outside. Like it, stick your head in your locker and take a few bites of your sandwich <laughs> and put it back. Like that is more sanitary than eating in the bathroom, sitting on a toilet. That's gross. As as a as a homeschooler who remembers very well my first day in public school, but it was seventh grade. It wasn't my junior year in high school, but seventh grade. I remember eating alone, but I never I never had to resort to the to the bathroom, bathroom. stall. No, I yeah. I'm I'm so glad. well, it's not just the bathroom; it's sitting in the stall. It's like yeah, no, yeah, no. Just, like she's <laughs> on the toilet. She's sitting on the toilet. I found some that quiet corners in the hallways where I could sit and eat by myself maybe you should have a talk with katie <laughs> well there were some good hallways too. for that in that junior high there really I, were yeah like that was it that was a good junior high for those spots <laughs> thankfully there were also really nice kids in our junior high and that didn't last very long ever you got sucked up into a group pretty quickly he became Just plastic nice, but- like overnight <laughs> <laughs> wait wait which which plastic do you identify with no i i mean i uh, are you a Regina? No, he's a Gretchen. Boys have their own version. <laughs> boys have their own version of this kind of um, like passive aggressive that that is way more aggressive than passive. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, it's, I it's, what, it's what I call aggressive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, I. There are there are things that I identify with in this film. Certainly, I think oh, this I idea also... of like the plastics. Uh, I don't know it. I don't know the way that that the label dehumanizes people 
it's I don't know. I think it's interesting. It, it's sad. <laughs> it, it, it's sad because uh, in some way be, because it's true because it happens. Um, it's sad because people act like that. It's also sad because people see other people like that. And anyway, there's 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 this like underlying melancholy to this film for me. <laughs> The, where I just look at it and I think, yes, things are like that, and yes, it's sad. And then you end. <laughs> and then I say, I'm glad that Tina Fey um, has her moment at the end where she, where everybody raises their hand, and there's some kind of recognition, uh, recognition, and and resolve, and and in the end, um, Katie's like pretty there's well a adjusted. Of it. Yeah, yeah, they, and, they fix and I like the that. issues. I think some films would choose to just wallow in this and let that be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Ooh, there's yeah, a, like there's a great um, deleted scene from that part of that you guys should watch sometime, and it's where Miss um, Norberry, Tina Fey, is talking to Katie, and she's like telling her that she she's tells her I'm really disappointed in you after she asks if she has anything she has to own up to, but in the deleted scene, it has uh, Katie and her voiceover go. And then she said, the worst thing any adult can ever say to you. And then it cuts to Tina Fey going, your parents have been eaten alive by cannibals. <laughs> like legit screaming at her. And then she goes, just kidding. She really said, and then it cuts to her saying, I'm really disappointed in you. But I, I will never forget watching that deleted scene with like my friends when we had a sleepover in our basement. And we like cry laughed. Oh, man. Like at that moment, because we were not expecting it. Because it just like cuts to Tina Fey and she like screams and she's like, your parents have been eaten alive by cannibals and it's like such a shock and we were like why didn't they keep that in that was perfect (laughs) (laughs) so check that out yeah we definitely will uh lena and taylor when we have first time guests we always like to ask a question about great characters our podcast is all about great characters and great stories so we ask if you could have a dinner party with any three to five guests uh, from fiction, from any kind of fiction, any time, any era, any medium, who would you want to have around just to enjoy their conversation? Uh, so, Taylor, why don't we have your dinner party guests shared first, and then Lena, and this is a safe space. Say <laughs> anyone you want to say that you would like to have around for, for a dinner party. So, I was talking to Lena before we started about how like this ended up being one of the most stressful questions I may have ever been asked. Uh, and I was like making this like huge long list of all these characters, and I was like, I I don't know if I'm gonna be able to narrow this down to like three or four. I think is what you guys gave me. So I got it down to six. So I hope that's acceptable. Because, yeah, have at it. <laughs> I mean, I can I I couldn't make any more cuts. So I've got for my first one is Veronica Mars. Great I'm choice. A big, I'm a big V Mars fan. I. I love that show, and I actually turned Lena and Nick onto it, so Best I ever. take great pride in that. Yeah, well, then, I, I have also proselytized Veronica Mars to some of my friends at times. Like, no, you need this DVD set right here. I'm so giving great. it to you. Taylor actually yeah. gave me the whole series for yeah. my birthday a couple years ago. Yeah, I was like, you I need these. I don't really care if you like it. You're going to like it. Here. This is your birthday <laughs> present. Um, then my next one is Dominic Toretto from the Fast and Furious franchise. Really? <laughs> Can you, Taylor's a Fast can you, and Furious fan. Can you say you know, just uh, why? My tastes are broad. So, because he's just all about family, and I just feel like he'd be like, guys, family. It's all about family and driving fast cars. I don't know. I just feel like he'd be cool. He'd be, <laughs> he's he'd be a nice cool person to hang out with. You know, I, I love the Fast and Furious movies. Once you accept them for how completely ridiculous they are, you can just like truly and fully enjoy them. 
for what they are, which is completely ridiculous. Like watching Twilight. <laughs> yeah. No, not that. That's... <laughs> Fast and Furious is much better than Twilight. Uh, then I've got Randy Meeks from Scream. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Scream, like the movie, but that's like one of my favorite scary movies ever. And it's like very meta and very like satire. And he's like one of one of my favorite lines from him is like, man, of course, if you're going to have sex in a horror movie, you're definitely going to die. That's like the number one rule. And so I think Randy would be cool to hang out with. Then I've got Brooke. That's why Taylor's still a virgin. Yeah, definitely. That, that reminds me of a quote from Mean Girls when Don Schweitzer, she <laughs> is a fat virgin and she goes, still half true. Half true. <laughs> Uh, then I got Brooke Davis from One Tree Hill because she's super cool. Buffy Summers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then uh, Jess Mariano from Gilmore Girls. And I'm done. I won't take it all oh, time. I don't like Jess. I'm sorry. But I, I, it's a safe space. It's a safe space. <laughs> I just didn't feel like any of the boyfriends were worthy of those Gilmore Girls at any point. <laughs> I feel like Rory... See, I'm, is... I'm stoutly Team Logan. So. <sighs> I mean, as long as we're not team. Taylor and I have countless discussions about Jess. I feel like at least once a week, me and Lena get together just to talk about Gilmore Girls (laughs) very heatedly. And we don't have any different arguments. It's the same ones over and over again. We just finally have to like agree on. Well, Dean's the worst. Clearly, everyone hates Dean. (laughs) Yeah, we. And then we can like go home. Oh, and. Um, small plug to Taylor and I were on the fandom podcast talking about Gilmore Girls. So if you had any, if you enjoyed listening to us talk today, you'll also enjoy listening to that. All right. Uh, Lena, what about your dinner party guests? Okay. So I had a slightly smaller list than Taylor, but um, my first two are um, female heroines in books, I guess. Um, well, the first one is Rachel Morgan from the Hollows series written by um, Kim Harrison. And she's a witch bounty hunter which is just great and she's just great and she's quirky and independent and a little bit neurotic which is great and um from the numbers series by janet ivanovich i have the main character stephanie plum who is also a bounty hunter which i'm finding a theme now Uh, not supernatural but uh torn between two crushes i guess and uh like book 23 she had better pick one already um but they're really dragging out that love triangle it has very specific taste bounty hunters right um they have a lot in common now that i'm looking at them (laughs) together um but um stephanie plum in particular was one of the first series that i really got into and i've been reading the series for a decade and i know it's been out for longer than that and i currently read them as they come out and like i said you better pick one soon but pick a lane um, pick a lane my, <laughs> exactly i know where they're gonna end up she's just gotta get there um and then my third is live more from iZombie. Yes. she's the title character i quite enjoy that and i will plug it it is by the same writer as veronica mars and it has a lot of um a lot of the same actors and actresses which is great um has a lot of really good clever lines um, and Styles from Teen Wolf, yes, because he'd be pretty hilarious, and I think he'd really round out the neuroses of some of the other characters I have here. <laughs> um, and then my my wild card is not from fiction, but um, one of my favorite authors, Leanne Moriarty, who um, bonus lives in Australia. So if we can have dinner at her house, that would be even better. Um, but she just writes really. S- just stellar characters. I would never be able to pick one of her characters that I'd want at dinner. So I just choose to have her instead. 
Nice. You're bending the rules, but we'll allow it. <laughs> That's fine. That's why she's got an asterisk because I knew it was not technically correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both uh, for coming on and talking about Mean Girls. Do you have any final thoughts about this film before we fully wrap up? Watch it a lot. <laughs> Watch it forever and ever. <laughs> it's a pretty high recommendation. Yeah. Never not funny. Yeah, never not funny. <laughs> Quote me on that. I will, like, anytime I just need a laugh, I'm going to mentally think of Rachel McAdams getting taken out by that school bus. <laughs> <laughs> and if you ever think there's a situation where there should be a quote that you just can't think of, text one of us and we'll we'll get you one. Yeah, we'll, re- we'll respond with a Mean Girls specific quote. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, go to DuelingGenre.com and also please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast and your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review there. It really helps us out. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out episode 59 when we talked about Veronica Mars or number 119 when we talked about Scout Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at protagonistpod, at Todd K. Mack, and at Jay Dorowski. Are you ladies on uh, Twitter or Facebook? Yes. Yeah, no Twitter. Yes, Facebook. Okay. I haven't been on Twitter in a really long time, so it's probably not the best place to get me, but I am on Facebook. I mean, I guess if you want to be my friend on Facebook, that's cool. (laughs) Awesome. Taylor's a little bit of a loner. Sorry, I'm just like imagining like someone requesting me, me being like, who is this? And they're like, hey, I heard heard you really like Mean Girls. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you've said it's one of the only requirements for being a friend. Like, all right, cool. That, that characterization it. of the person <laughs> desiring to be your friend. <laughs> oh, please, please, one of you, find both of these ladies and try to friend them on Facebook. <laughs> with, with the only message being, I heard you like Mean Girls. <laughs> no report back. Oh, man. Our producer, oh. Andrew... Andrew is at Andrew underscore Dorowski, and our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast. We have great conversations there with our friends uh, and listeners and would love for you to say hello anytime. If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back again next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. You want me to take this next part? Uh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We are on fire tonight. I know, really. <clears throat>